welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Designers, HALS is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. HALS Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore HALS Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Kim Cutable. Kim is the founder and chief idea woman at Me by Design, an idea boutique for the interior design industry that boosts the brand recognition, visibility, and audience engagement of interior designers and makers of beautiful things with data-informed marketing and business development strategies. Growing up in Toronto, Kim dreamed of being a movie star. When that didn't exactly happen, she delved into TV production. And then in 2011, she launched her coaching and consulting practice. Kim has authored one book and is working on a second. The first book, published in 2016, is titled Branding and Interior Design, Visibility and Business Strategy for Interior Designers. It is highly regarded in the community. Charlotte-based designer Cheryl Luckett read it, and she reached out to Kim and then hired her. I asked Cheryl to tell us about Kim, and here's what she said. I began working with Kim in January of 2016, just after walking away from a 15-year career in corporate America. Our working together, the timing was really divine, much like our first meeting at a punch bowl years prior. So after she launched her book, Branding and Interior Design, I ended up in a group program that she offered in conjunction with the book launch. And as a result of that group program, ended up hiring her to be my coach one-on-one. And to say that Kim impacted my business is an understatement. She really impacted my entire life. She helped me see roadblocks that I didn't even know existed, (laughs) where I was playing small and not dreaming big enough and, you know, really tapping into the responsibility that I have to be a leader in the industry and also the responsibility that I have to share this gifting that I've been given. And so I look at everything (laughs) differently now. So uh, there's no doubt the impact that she's made has been undeniable. And um, to say that I'm grateful, again, it's just, it's an understatement. She's the best. Thanks, Cheryl. I totally adore you, as you know. And um, I just want to tell everybody that within 10 or 15 minutes of requesting or asking, I asked Cheryl, would you please write something about Kim? I had that recording in my inbox. So you are on it. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did making it. Listen well, and I bet you can hear Kim smile through the words. A few highlights of what we cover include the kind of designer that Kim's business attracts, how focusing on one's message allows everything else to fall into place, the intangible value that designers bring to their clients, and how Kim is able to curb the urge to coach at cocktail parties. Oh, And here are some facts about Kim Cutable that you may not know. Her sign is cancer. 
Her favorite travel destination is Italy. And if she could switch places for one day with someone on Earth, it would be Oprah. But for today, Kim is Kim, and she's here with me on said. Enjoy the show. Hello. Hi, Kim. It's Jane. As Were Hi, you expecting Jane. me? <laughs> I was. As a matter of fact, yes. Oh, good. Nice to hear from you. <laughs> yes. How is it in Southern California right now? It is raining. So that is only exacerbating the shelter-in-place pain because we're stuck inside even more because of the rain. Yes. And my dogs refuse to. I have a little area on my balcony where my dogs can sort of go outside, and both of them little frail delicate puffballs refuse to go outside and do their business so it's it's a drama it's a small drama but mm-hmm, it's a drama mm-hmm. well the things yeah. we deal with now right <laughs> that's right exactly so um we have a lot to talk about today and we do. and I did send you a list of questions and I know that we're going to go off on many tangents because um <laughs> it's just that kind of day and that kind of time Yes, I agree. And I'm fine to do that. Okay. Because I actually think it's required. I actually think at this point, it's not business as usual. We can't be structured. I mean, we can be structured in as much as we can. But quite frankly, we have been set up our structures to be disrupted in this moment. Yes. So if you go with that, you can have a little bit of an easier time. Yeah, go with it. That's important. Go with it. That's important. So mm-hmm. first things first. Um, yes. I want to get the correct pronunciation of your last name, which I'm going to just spell it for everybody right now. K-U-H-T-E-U-B-L. That's it. Yes. And, oh, oh, and there's your little the, barkers. There are the puffballs. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the, the pronunciation is cutable. And it is an Austrian last name. It means cow devil, which is, you know, exciting. Oh. My family were farmers. Mm-hmm. It has an umlaut over it. If you were in Austria, so it would have a little U, umlaut over the U. And I, I used that for um, a hot minute when I thought I was trying to be cool. But I've given that up. And now the, the Germanic spelling is hard enough. So we're just going to keep that. <laughs> That's right. what we've got. You must have to spell your name almost all the time all the time and you know and I got on the phone with somebody the other day and she was like oh yeah my name is her first name I can't remember what she said I said oh you have one of those names too and I meant it not as an insult but as a as a isn't this interesting because you spend your life spelling right and so that's kind of what you do when you get used to it I'm always it becomes a joke I'm always impressed when somebody can actually sound it out and a lot of times you'll get customer service agents who just had experience with so many different kinds of names that they'll try to sound it out and then they get it. And I'm like, yay! It's, it's a bonding moment for us on the phone. Yes. I did not sound it out correctly, but now that I have it, <laughs> now that I have it recorded, I can practice. I can practice a lot. Yeah. So your company is Me By Design and I want to find mm-hmm. out how you named it. Yeah. So I was running a website was my first sort of foray into the online world after as I were I was transitioning from production and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was running a single women's website and it was it was didn't have a great name and so I was trying to find a new name and me by design was in the list there mm-hmm. and it was originally intended for that it was just kind of living in my my URL list. I sort of buy and hold on to URLs is my, my nighttime obsession. Uh-huh. And I, uh, one day decided that, you know, I was moving into the design world more. I was posting a lot of that stuff. That's what it, where my heart was. And I realized that this name that I had actually would apply to this fledgling business that I had started under my production company name, which is Hildegard Media. And that was named after my grandmother. And so I'd been writing the newsletter for designers for maybe about four or five months at that point, when I realized that this Me by Design name is actually perfect for the business, because it is about designers expressing themselves through design. And so it's, it's you by design is really what it is. Mm -hmm. And it, it, stuck and it, and it actually just I never looked back after that I had and I already had the URL and had the Facebook page and and I actually did from a business perspective just so you know went off and bought the premium domain it was a premium domain and it was on sale for a couple of years 
And I tried to negotiate it down every year and couldn't. And then I just decided, no, this is for you to have. And I did invest in it Mm -hmm. because I wanted it. Yeah. It kind of feels like it operates on another level too, like me by design. Like it's, um, you know, not just about interior design, but it's like your, how you're built, how you're made and what you can do with that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And from a branding perspective, you know, I wanted a company that could be uh, sold or could other people could embody it for themselves. So it wasn't, I have a, a writing website, which is, I mean, it's not right now. It's a little bit under construction, but my by Kim K site is my handle for my personal work. I wanted this to embody everybody else. So I wanted other people to find themselves in it. And so the me by design is that container for that. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to challenge you on the next, um, a next thing, because you know, I just, from what I have learned about you from our brief conversation, and then I listened to one of your podcasts while I was taking a walk the other day. Oh, um, which one? I listened to, you know, gosh, um, I think it was with a Canadian designer. Oh yeah. Yes. The, um, Lana, the toy designer. Was it 21 toys? You know what? I'm, I don't remember. I just, I, put you in the search for podcasts and I know you've done with Luann and I know you've done a couple others, but this one. Oh, you're talking design podcast. Yes. I just did that interview. From Um, February. I think it was a February one. Yes. 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 I did. Yes. Go ahead. And so I know I was listening to you as I was walking, you know, just because I like to hear what you say. It, it, it gives me kind of energy and it gets me thinking about who you are. Um, so I can kind of prepare for what we're going to talk about. And, um, so where was I going with this? I don't remember, but my, <laughs> oh my goodness, boy, oh boy. But my question to you is um, the way that you explain your business, and I love yes. this, but I just want to find out your concept, an idea boutique for the interior design industry. So when, right. yeah, idea boutique, like, well, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It It is. Because it's, I could simply say marketing agency, mm-hmm. because people often think that they have a marketing problem only when they find me. The one of the common, most common problems for interior designers is, and request, is that they want to have the next level of client. How can I find the higher level of client? And they think that it is a marketing issue, and it is a marketing issue, but. It's a combination of things that go into that because you have to look at who you're being as a human being, what your offer is, how you're valuing that offer, and then how you're communicating the experience of the service that you offer. So there are many layers in there. There are layers of leadership. There are layers of vision for your company. There are layers of aesthetic and how you're communicating your aesthetic. And then there's the communication piece, which is the marketing piece. So ideas, I love the realm of, and this is what creatives do so well, is that we take ideas from the realm of the invisible and we bring them forth into the physical. Mm -hmm. All creatives do this. And ideas are born in the realm of the invisible. And for me, I often joke that I'm, I am the CEO of my company and the founder of my company, but I'm an ideal woman. If you, I used to say when people would say, well, what do you do? I'm an ideal woman because they would come to me so easily. And before I understood my value or understood how to communicate my value, which is common for creatives, I would just give away these ideas, you know, for free. Sure. And I would wonder, well, geez, how is it that my friends who kind of get my ideas from me go off and do these things And here I am still struggling. And then I came to, because it came so easily to me. Mm -hmm. And this is a very common mistake in early business. We think, well, it comes so easily to me. Why would I charge for that? No, that is exactly, (laughs) (laughs) that is exactly what you charge for. That is exactly what you become known for. And so for me, the vision is born in the idea. The emotions are communicated through the idea. And it, it, it is a little bit esoteric and not everybody is going to respond to it. And I don't mind that because not everybody responds to the way that I work. Okay. 
exactly. I mean, and that's that's something that I, I wanted to talk to you as well. Do you, yes. You know, um, yeah, because you do come from a spiritual spiritual place and a little mm-hmm. bit esoteric, and you know, maybe maybe it's just um, somebody has to hear it in a few different ways to get it. But who mm-hmm. is there a certain type of person that you feel you attract more a designer at a certain level or mm-hmm. certain background? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I and I didn't know that I was quote unquote spiritual. I didn't know that that's what I was doing or that's how I was being perceived. I was just practicing being me Mm -hmm. and being me authentically because the marketing conversation was changing when I was starting my business from sell, 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 sell to the more storytelling embodiment, which is what I did naturally in my work as a creative, right? right? So I was just practicing being really me not working on a production and selling. So I was being myself and then it was going to be spiritual and off we went. But to, to that question is I work with leaders and I work with leaders at all stages of their development. So I have clients who came to me, I think of one in particular who came to me without a photo on her website, who came to me so hidden and, and so in the closet about her business, who is now, has her own space, runs her small team, has tons of press, has really changed the trajectory of her career. So she might not have fully stepped into her leadership in in the moment that she found me, Mm -hmm. but she actually now has learned to embody it. I have in my mastermind as an example, which is how I've been working with clients most of the last few years, aside from private clients, I have a seven figure section. So I have clients who are seven figures and above. So mm-hmm. they have different kinds of issues. And then I have the, what I'm, what I call the baby designer. And the baby designer is somebody who may not have been, now these are less, less baby than normal. Sometimes we get people who have only been in business for a year, but these in particular, this group, they have come from either established firms or established industries and they are now forming their firm in a different way so the conversation is not uh yeah so there there's that and also I think one of the distinctions for my clients is that they really want to do beautiful work so it's not just about being the design I call it the design journeyman it's not just about being like I'm just going to design something or the design retailer which we saw a lot of those fall apart during the last recession because out of high point, those designers who kind of built themselves around just selling furniture before everybody had access to it. Okay. My designers are really doing beautiful work and they want a long career and we're building all of the ways that they're going to be able to communicate that beautiful work and serve with that beautiful work in the world. All right. So when you say, the first thing you said, my most of my clients are my clients are leaders. Do you mm-hmm. see that within them and help them to realize it and and all that goes with being a leader? You, yeah, I mean, and look, some clients are leaders in their communities already, mm-hmm. so they might be doing volunteer work or they're on their PTA or they're doing whatever it is they're doing, and that doesn't go away just because you haven't expressed it in all areas of your life. So it's really about the cohesion piece. And so many of my clients in our work together, because I work from the inside out and meaning that we're taking your why as Simon Sinek most famously coined, and Mm -hmm. we're really expressing that in the world, but we're working from the inside out. And so you want to leave a legacy. You want to actually transform people's lives with your work you want to do beautiful work you and as most artists most of the great artists suffer incredibly um with insecurity yeah or with fear or with uh lacking emotional discipline so they get in their own way and so I really help them to cultivate those disciplines so that they can continue to do the work over time and they can continue to do it uh, in whatever medium that they need to do it. So just as an example, now we were talking about this this morning, somebody asked, you know, the difference really between a blog and a newsletter and how they're functioning now. Mm -hmm. And I said, people 
really get hung up on this, but all they are is modes of delivery. Instagram is a mode of delivery. A blog is a mode of delivery. So is a newsletter. You want to be, what you really want to focus in, in on is your message and who you're communicating to. And then it becomes evident for whom the channel that they're most likely to be on the other end of that right. is going to be obvious, right? Yes. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the newsletter, though. And I say this everywhere, every chance I get, because it is direct communication inside of somebody's inbox. Mm -hmm. And even though we're bombarded with newsletters, I always open up that anthropology newsletter. Right. I always open up the Moda Operandi newsletter. I oh, There's newsletters I always open up because I, I have to look at them. And then there's some I have to unsubscribe from because I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm wasting my day. Right, but the others, the brands speak to you. I mean, for that's right. Right. And they have a consistent message. And um, even if you and look you at look it for, for yeah, mm -hmm. you look at you look for them because you're like, oh, I, I need to be I want to be communicated with. And so people get very confused about newsletter content and what they should be doing in it and how they should handle it. And then, you know, some everybody's got some kind of this is the way to do the best everything. And I'm I'm not into that. I'm into who is the person you're speaking to? What is the way that you are going to speak to them? And that that is so unique and individual. You you can't bottle that. Right. Right. Is that considered like brand voice? Yes. Brand voice is the, the way or you part speak of it. about it for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I we struggle. I, that's something I struggle with at the magazine. You know, it's um, it's also a, a, what what I struggle with is the we versus the I. You know, because right. it's not a personal like my social media. It's not personal. Um, see, I just said my social media. It's but it's <laughs> it's yeah yeah. But you know what? See, but I it's interesting because I, and we had this conversation when we first spoke, but I didn't know about the magazine until you started editing it because I was like, who's how, who's this? How did we miss this? Like I, I, and where did this come from? Because it became so visually distinct. And yes, there is a fine line. This is what all our, all artists are writing between. I want to serve you client by giving you exactly what you want. But it's still coming through your lens. Right. There's still a take on it. So clients, my clients are wildly different aesthetically, even personality, because, of course, there's so many different kinds of leaders in the world. But they're coming through the framework of the questions that I know to ask that bring people out. And what happens is there's different combinations of the questions. So not all questions, you know, there's a book that is very popular that I do as part of my course curriculum and and this round people were one one woman was like I hate that book and I was like thank you for telling me it's important to know because books for me are prescriptive so I never make recommendations for books unless I'm working with a client or I never make recommendations for some things because I feel like a lot of these things are so deeply personal and maybe that's the difference I take a lot of the work I do with clients is very sacred mm -hmm. and so when they're coming to me it's it's I'm not playing around. I, my reputation, like much of my business was built on word of mouth and I really am taking it seriously. And I'm going to, once we figure out what your vision is, I'm going to really hold you accountable to getting that. Mm -hmm. And it's, and for clients who aren't up for that, who are used to people who kind of just like, Oh, well, you know, she's going to let me off the hook. That's not me. Right. <laughs> right. Know? Like I just like, Oh, that's not me, which is why, quite frankly, you do see people like, where did she come from? And it might not for other designers. Well, I don't want that. And it's like, well, you're not supposed to have that. But understanding where people have grown from, that's what I get really, that never gets old for me. What we do is we set up the soil. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're tending the soil. Sure. We set it up in a certain way and then we watch the plant grow. Yeah, no, that's you know? exciting. So what is it like um, when you decide to work with somebody? What's your process? I normally have an intake form that asks just a few questions, and then we're looking at the work. And then a lot of it is intuitive. So Wait, when you say looking phone, at the work, you mean like looking at their website, looking at what yeah, they're doing? Yeah, looking getting... at their website. And it, it's not uncommon for clients to come to me without a website. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had that over the years and have 
found some real stars in there because they don't have their work in any place because they're the quintessential artists. Some of them don't know how good they are or because they are just so in their own muck, emotional muck that we can't just get it out. And birthing a website is becomes an emotional process. It's weird. It's like, well, you just stick it up and it's like, no, because you, the true artist wants it to be a reflection of them and it's changing all the time and they don't understand why they can't get their website done. And well, that's the reason why. So they come in, we do it like we normally do a conversation. And then once I kind of pinpoint where I think the issue, their biggest issue is, I, I ask them the trick question, whatever that is to see if they're willing to drop what it is they're doing. Because a lot of people say they want help but they're truly not willing to give up the behaviors that got them into the situation that they're in. Right. 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 They're like telling themselves something over and they're, they've created a wall or they have a, I guess, a belief that they're a certain way. That's right. That there is only one way to do it. And you'll find this a lot of the time when clients do reach. So let's say they're at the, maybe they're at 300 or 400 K in revenue and they want to get to the seven figure, uh, you know, mark and revenue. And I've done that with a f- more than one client. I feel like I've done that a lot more than any other coach, but let's just say that we're doing that. They're very tied. Those, those women, cause I, I work mostly with women mm-hmm. to the number and, and to the traditional ways of doing business. Like the, it's looking at the numbers, looking at this. And I'm telling you that the jump between that 300, like up to seven and then up to the million dollar mark has much less to do with the spreadsheet mm-hmm. than it does to do with the internal game that you're playing and then the offering that you're presenting. And so once we can get those things tweaked, the numbers just, you have enough, again, from this sort of esoteric place, you have enough space to receive that amount of money. Mm-hmm. But the, the games people, and so I've had, more than one phone call in the last little bit, I got into, I got into a bit of a loop there with a couple of people around that range and they cannot let go of this grip vice grip they have on the left side of their brain and it gets in their way. The clients who show up and I've had this a couple of times over the years, but most clients show up ready to work with me. Like they've done some research and they, or they've listened to something and they know that I can help them because when you're working with a coach, it's a really personal, it's a personal and emotional journey from the way that I work. And so I, again, yes, we do all the numbers and we do the forensics on your, you know, what you've been billing and, and what you, your income has been over the past several years. And we like, we do all of that. Right. But again, those shifts have to happen from the inside and your beliefs. And so a lot of times, if I can move you in, you know, just a conversation, then you're a fit for me. But there are clients, a couple of clients who showed up saying, well, I would like a reference. And what I've learned is it's not that I don't have the references. I've, when I, whenever I've given those clients, first of all, they're wasting my other clients time. And (laughs) second of all, those are people who generally don't trust their own judgment. There are people who don't trust their own judgment and they're looking for um, proof that it's going to work for them. Right. The problem is, is that so much of the work that I've done is, is again, internal and emotional. I certainly don't want my clients having to reveal any personal details. They're not going to. And so all they can say is, and if you look at the clients, there's, and I remember one person in particular in early days, she was like, well, they're all so different. And I was like, uh, yeah. So what is your point? Like they're all different because I'm working with them in the way that they need to be worked with. And then, that woman did in particular sign up. But what I found in the last, like I did this over the, uh, the holiday, a woman showed up, she'd read my book twice. I've dog-eared your book. Mm-hmm. We have a bang up, um, uh, interview. And then she reaches out to a client of past client of mine without asking me and then says, can I have a reference? And I said, well, I understand you've already reached out to my client. Uh, which I don't appreciate, but I'm, let's see how you do with her. And then I'm happy to provide you with an additional one. Should you need it? Because I I liked her and I was like, I'm just going to break my own rule here. Um, And she ended up, of course, having the conversation and not signing up. Mm -hmm. And my client was like, and this is what I find. This is why I don't generally do it because people like that. And this is a woman who's read the book twice, loved your book. Loved right. it. Like, Oh my God. Like, because she fundamentally didn't trust her own judgment 
to know I was going to make her let go of some of the things that she was doing. And I, I already touched on them in the initial interview. Like, well, are you where you're doing this? Are you willing to let that go? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, she's not. Right. Right. And you're, what happens is your ego gets in the way. And then you look for every left brain thing you need to do. Every left brain form of proof. When the reality is, is it's, it's not your left, like that, that part of you is what's keeping you from playing a bigger game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get because it. your reality, you know, your reality is really, your reality is simply all of the experiences that you've had up until this moment that you've managed to assess. If you want to create a new paradigm, you have to work with somebody who sees your blind spots and who can poke you out of that. Yep. So to me, you know, I, I listen and I think this fine, there must be a, at times a fine line between therapy and right. coaching, um, you know, and did you yeah. ever, did you take psych classes and things like that? I mean, what, you know, or uh, your own education? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I have, well, I have a crazy family. That'd be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two. Um, yes, there is a fine line. So I'm, I'm gotten, I learned that the hard way in the early days of coaching, because I have a very strong intuition and I, I do have life experience in a lot of different areas that I've get people with deep issues. Sometimes I call them visibility blocks. Mm -hmm. And those are either emotional patterns or limiting beliefs or thoughts that get in the way of you being seen or visible. And sometimes those come in on, yes, therapeutic areas. And so what I am able to do is say, you need to go see a therapist, right? I'm not going to work with someone for whom I'm not skilled to work with. But some things are just residue. They're just old beliefs that you have lingering around. And those I can definitely blow up. So I've done quite a lot of coaching with um, uh, working with people and learning ways to do that. I, I also, um, and I've not talked about this. I've talked about it for the first time this year, but I had cancer actually back in 2001. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot of what uncertainty is in that moment. And I learned a lot about the road to healing during that moment and the road to sort of navigating all of the different things that come. And this, this it's, it's interesting. This moment that we're in right now is not dissimilar from navigating an illness. Mm -hmm. It's really very similar. So, which is probably why I'm not as panicked as, and there's certainly days where I get very snarly because I want to do things that I can't. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I believe that life is always uncertain, having experienced that what I did. And what we have to do is become much more comfortable navigating the uncertainty. And so I am pretty skilled at that and also pretty skilled at that business as not as usual place, because the traditional sort of numbers, numbers, numbers way never appealed to me. And I thought, oh, I mustn't be good at business. I'm going to be creative. And then I started to understand that business looks like a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. The numbers look the same way, but the way that you get to success can be so different for so many people. And also, as you you know, who would have ever thought that Uber would be a thing? That's why I love this idea of the of the realm of the or, or Airbnb. I love the realm of the idea. And it's the ideas from where all of your wealth comes from. And so it's, and it's your ability to take those ideas and not kill them before they find the way that they need to live in the world. Designers, Hals is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. Hals Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore House Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com. So the book that has been mentioned several times, and of course it will be mentioned actually like in the introduction before anybody 
here's our actual podcast, but um, <laughs> branding and interior design, visibility and yes. business strategy for interior designers. You wrote this, or it was published in 2016. Yeah. And um my boyfriend had given me it for one of my birthdays. I think like three years ago, it was one of my birthday Which presents. I love, I love your boyfriend. I was like, what a wonderful, I love it when, and I've had this a couple of times where the significant other of the designer gives them the book. And I, I think that's so beautiful and wonderful that he's sharing in your growth and success. Thank you. And he's awesome. Um, I have to say, <laughs> you know, it's such a beautiful cover too that I bet you mm-hmm the cover appealed to him as well. And that was part of the choice. Um, For those who can't, well, we'll have it up on our social media, but it's a beautiful golden white pattern. But I was, um, so um, I was looking at the, I always read forwards. Like if I have no time to, to, I started this book. Okay. I started this book and then I got derailed and I did not finish it. As I said, I was my life. Right. Yeah. So, but I picked it back up and I was just looking at the forward last night and I, I want to read something that I feel is very relevant and kind of, you know, now that you share that you had cancer in 2001, I just want to read something that's in your foreword. You don't need to know how it's all going to come together at the moment. To be creative is to learn to navigate uncertainty. The solutions that will take it to the next level lie in your ability to master your relationship with the unknown. Navigating uncertainty requires vision, connection, confidence, patience, discovery, courage, expansion, and curiosity to achieve transformation. That's because no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And so I just, I read that last night and that last sentence, no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Yeah. I was like, I want to talk to you about, about that. And can you help me? understand that. I mean, I think I understand it, but I'd love to hear from you what that means. Yeah. It's, and that's, um, that's an Einstein quote too, but really what it is, is that, Oh yes. I see you say, believe Einstein. He said it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is exactly. Is that when you're looking at the problem, you will only, uh, you will only find more of the problem. You get what you focus on. Got it. If you are focused on the solution, immediately your mind shifts to another level, but there's something called um, confirmation bias. So in psychology, psychology principle, but basically where depending on how you're operating, you're just going to see more of what you already believe to be true. So it's why validation, yeah, it's kind of like that. I don't know if you had that. There's so many things intermingled with this, but um, there was a, a, a meme that went around this Laurel and Yanny. Do you remember this? This was like a couple years ago or maybe a year not. ago. It's like, okay. Basically, it was like a, a sound thing. So if you listened one way, you would hear Laurel. If you listened at one, if you had another frequency, you would hear Yanny. And you literally, it was this weird sort of decibel thing where if you moved this decibel along, one side you'd hear Laurel, one side you, I have a blog post about it. I can share it with you. But the point is, is that you're going to see what you already believe to be true. So this is why I always, I worked with a coach. This is why I reckon, this is why my belief was I can, I have all these great ideas and everybody else seems to profit from them. But me, that was my belief. And so it's when I worked with somebody else a coach who could see me clearly, I could see how I was limiting myself from profiting from my ideas. And I could see how I had to change the conversation with myself. So this is from, from the perspective of solving a problem so, is you have to live at the realm of solution, but you might not see the solution because you're so enmeshed in the problem. So what was that conversation that you changed for yourself? Gosh, it's, you know, there's been so many conversations <laughs> well, that I've changed for myself mm-hmm. because it's, it's a layered effect because what you realize is, and I did write about them in some of, even the fact that I could get to a book with, with these ideas mm-hmm. is a change in conversation. I mean, I always knew I was creative and I was, but I was expressing myself through film or television or whatever it is I was doing. But this idea, one of the, the big ones for me was feast or famine. Like I would just say feast or famine, even into like maybe two or three years into my business, feast or famine, feast or famine. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, that's a belief. 
that's a belief that it's feast or famine. What if it was continued flow, Mm -hmm. right? Or what if you prepared yourself in such a way that you were able to take care of yourself in a certain way? Because there is ebb and flow in nature. Right. Right. But it doesn't mean that you have to live at the bottom of the barrel when there is ebb. If you've prepared yourself, if you decide to, and this was a shift for me, decide to take care of yourself in a certain way, you'll, you won't let it get to the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. And this, this is, this kind of goes back a little bit to the illness. And I was thinking about saying this, um, I mean, a couple things is that, you know, when you, when you, when I was diagnosed, I remember thinking to myself, and this is what I'd found a lump. And so before I knew what it was, mm-hmm. I said very distinctly, whatever this is, I am going to beat it. Okay. And that was my decision in that moment to make it. And I know some people make decisions like that and it's their time again, from a spiritual perspective. So they don't, um, and they might not make it. But some of them do. And I look at stories of radical remission. I'm fascinated by those stories because it's, you know, the doctors will tell you one thing, but you know something of yourself to be true. I have this, um, I worked with someone. This is a kind of a sad story, but it's, I think it's relevant. Okay. Um, I, work, I coached with somebody. She had a full-time job, and I didn't realize this when I coached with her, and was also a designer, and she was looking to release the job. And I said, just the, I guess the short story is, well, why can you not release this job? Well, because I have healthcare benefits. And I was like, I, I get it, but you, you know, and she said, and, but she also said, this job is killing me. Mm. And I said, okay, I want you to listen to what you just said. You just said, the job is killing you and you're keeping it for the healthcare benefits. Does this make sense to you? Right. Right. And that was during our first, our first session, there was a lapse, but a longer lapse than what would have been normal between that session and our second session. By the second session, she had developed cancer Mm -hmm. and she, um, I gave her a couple of books. She didn't actively coach at that point. We tried to finish out. It wasn't working. I was in intermittent touch with her. She had cancer for, I guess about a year and a half. In this year, in January, I, I learned that she had died. And I couldn't help but think back to, because she had a form of cancer that was not, that people don't die from. Mm-hmm. And all the time. Some women do, but some don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the details of how it spread. I don't, because we were not in touch after that point. But I was so angry like so sad but so angry too because I thought we she were so of the belief that you had to have this job that was killing you for the health benefits and it killed you Mm -hmm. yep so I just really I have to put that out to 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 clients and people especially during this moment if you believe your business is going to go under right now it will Mm-hmm. But if you start listening to your guidance and asking for the help that you need and doing the faith walk that is required in this moment, what if this was a moment of expansion and growth for you? And if you're tired and you're freaked out, do not try to do things. That's what I'll say, because you'll just expand on that. Right. But if you can be still and if you can, if you can just tap in to the ideas that are coming to you, how would your life shift in this moment for the better? You make me want to like <laughs> take off my headphones and go meditate right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I can't wait to meditate. And that's something that I always put off. But my, again, my boyfriend who bought me your book, he's, he wants me, he, he wants me to be in good health mentally and physically he's like honey we got to do this 21 day you know oprah meditation so i'm like good i'm i'm gonna think about this um yes you 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 especially too and i i think of this for from all of our standpoints and back to the point about leadership Mm -hmm. what i i'm saying to my clients who are in the mastermind right now and all of them are working by the way 
all of them are still working and getting new ideas and delivering a couple of closed new jobs. So this is, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, They, I'm saying I got a little bit fierce. Sometimes I'm like soft mom. I was fierce mom last Mm -hmm. week where I was like, look, it's time to lead. If you're a leader, it's time to show leadership in this moment. And I don't know who your people are personally. I don't know what they need, but I need you to start listening to the guidance that you're getting in this moment because we're here in this moment that that's the thing too you can't escape it the only way out of this is through it so start participating in the way that leaders do and do the best that you can in this moment and keep going and when you have a bad day take the time you need to have the bad day and then get back on track Mm. so good Mm -hmm. i have a client right now um, and she's, she's, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could talk, I better not talk about it. Cause I don't know if it's a surprise for her, but she's anyway, she's got a magazine story coming out and she's about this experience of being in the pandemic as the designer mm-hmm. and she's writing it. And so I don't know if I can talk about it. So I'll wait till it's out. Okay. Um, but she's got that happening and, and that came to her not because she's trying to sell anything, but because she felt because they were going to do something about her. And she's like, I need to talk about this. This is what I need to talk about because this is what is most important to me. And I said, look at how that is being a leader in this moment. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's all we can do. We can just do what we know to do moment by moment. Yeah. And quite frankly, if this goes on for any length of time, who do you think is going to be happier for the longer time? The people who have worked themselves into a fetal position under their chair. And again, if that's you, get some help right now. Or the people who are just taking it moment by moment and learning how to deal with it moment by moment. Because again, back to illness, that's all you can do. Right. You have to believe that you're going to get well. And then you have to do everything you can moment by moment to deal with what is coming up and get through it. Yep. Good, good. It's like, amen. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I can't wait to re-listen to this so I can, you know, kind of take neater notes. I'm like, I've got a big piece of paper on my right. I'm like, ah! Um, I, know. I so can never read my own handwriting. I, I have a question. Oh. Because you have this superpower, Kim, this this ability to, can well, this ability to see people's blocks and... Yes, um, yeah. Do you, like, do you use it at cocktail parties? I mean, <laughs> how do you curb it? Yeah. Drunk coaching. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I had to learn to curb it. That's all it is. I had to really learn to, because sometimes I'll be with someone, I'll be listening, and I'll get an idea. And then I have to decide, is this an idea I'm going to deliver? Mm-hmm. Or is this something I'm going to keep to myself? Because, again, and then, again, the more I learned about the way that I operate, the more I understand what is sacred, the more I understand that people are not always ready to hear feedback, which is why it's good for us to be in a relationship. And the container of coaching or working with me is a safe way for me to say, well, you've given me permission to say this to you. And even then, sometimes I still have to ask in this moment, are you available for feedback? Mm-hmm. Because what I'm telling you, what I'm about to tell you might be very upsetting to you in this moment. And look, I do see a lot of resistance and I do see people's like darkness where it's an ugly head and mm-hmm. there are tears sometimes in there and I'm fine with it. I can wrestle it to the ground because they're in agreement and they know that it's coming from a place of love and that they trust me and all of that. But not again, not everybody is prepared for the depth of that relationship. And so I do, I have learned, I remember to your point, I was at a cocktail party once and this gentleman was uh, talking about can't remember what the idea was but it was some idea that I actually got a, a very strong hit on it was a father-son duo and the son clearly had this genius idea but dad was trying to throw his old marketing 101 on the new way that the son was seeing things and I was like "Ooh, this is <laughs> I don't think this is going to end well but okay like son is not asserting himself enough with dad and um I did get an idea for them, but I said to the, the, the dad, are you available for feedback? 
Mm-hmm. And he said, no, because you've obviously heard this before. And I said, okay. And I just stopped talking. And he was trying to engage me and get me to give him more information. I just stopped because he said he was not available for feedback. And so I just, I made the decision. I prayed for his son, but I made the decision that I am not willing to share. And that again, that's understanding boundaries. And that's for designers too. understanding when they're going to give away um, Mm, ideas, when they're not going to give away ideas having the container of uh, consults, having the exchange of money so they understand the value of that. All of these things are things that as creative people we learn because ideas come so easily to us. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And we want to be liked and we want to be loved. And Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? All of those things get in the way of this paradigm. Like, look, it's, I, I joke all the time. Look, this is not an episode of Designer Martyrs. Like we're not like, you know, it's like, it's like, we're, we're here to earn money, but we also as, and because designers are oftentimes women and especially the, the realm of care has been so undervalued in this culture. We are claiming it. Mm. Care and creativity is we are showing people, no, this has a value. It has a premium value. And I'm going to also learn how to communicate this intangible value to you in a way that makes you pay me. Right. Right. Oh, I love the word care Mm -hmm. brought into the equation of the service that designers give. Um, Because such a, you know, with people that have been with the same clients, you know, home after home and then their kids. And it's like this level of trust, which I think also is kind of wrapped up in care and yeah and that has a value right Mm -hmm. but we forget oh my goodness it's like we forget like like we become like and I I agree with that I think one client who becomes so part of the family that you forget that the advice you're giving you're not their mom you're not their grandma professional that's right so but it comes with that level of nurturing but it still has a value attached so this is it becomes murky territory they're not sure what I can charge for when it's appropriate to charge for something and they don't feel guilty. Oh, I feel guilty, you know, and it's like, no, no. So there, you, you really have to remember too. your clients are your friends, but they're not your friends. I mean, I, and right. I have clients for whom I have friendships that have come out of our coaching, but I'm very clear when we're hanging out for drinks or I will say, okay, this is not, this is not that time. And they actually are so good with boundaries that a lot of them are like, is this okay to ask or should we save it for coaching? Right. And then there are times when we've had like, you know, a few glasses of wine where I'll say, oh, okay, this is a freebie. Right. And I, because I'm clear about what it is I'm offering. And that's all you really need is you really need to know when you're comfortable giving away advice. And there are times designers will show up on a, a consult and I had this too, and I, and they think I'm not hip to them. They'll show up on a consult looking for advice or looking to have a question answered when I'm there to have an exploratory call about sales. And they're trying to get like a freebie. I've had this over the years, and I'm like, I am not here. And they're, you know, taking notes, and I'm like, mm-hmm. And so there's, they think they're getting value, but they really don't understand how much they undermine themselves. And and honestly, those are the designers who come and go mm-hmm. and who you don't, who don't understand how to even get other people to invest in them because they're not willing to invest in themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Gosh, <clears throat> there's so much. I mean, the whole feeling guilty, you know, gosh, there's so many layers here. Um, so many layers. I have a question. Yes. As an editor of a print magazine. Yes. Um, and, you know, being on your website and you, you show your clients and placements that they've gotten, do designers, are they still excited about getting print? I, I think so. I mean, I, and it, it, I love print personally. So I always look at that as the top of the hierarchy, hierarchy mm-hmm. right? Because, and, and I don't know, it, it may be changing for the younger demographic, but I think of a past client who has her collection of Vogue magazines. 
from over the years and has them displayed in her dining room, right? Right. You keep what you love. There are issues of design magazines that I do, and I noticed you with your covers, you keep, you keep the covers, you keep the things that you love. Right. And so from a traffic perspective, having an online, and the thing about print magazines is that they do have digital versions. So it's not like you're not competing in that realm. Exactly. And the, the digital version is great because it will drive the traffic back to your website, but there's nothing like being on them. I mean, it's why designers are so excited to be on the covers of magazines because that no matter what, although the magazines have gotten thinner, that's still very important for a lot of us. There's something about holding. I love the realm of the intangible, but there is something about, holding something physical in your hand. It's why we still send, I still send note cards. It's why I send when, you know, designers join my mastermind, I send them a gift because I'm excited about, there's something about the physical too. Mm -hmm. So I think what you have to focus on, we were talking about newsletters and on our coaching call this morning and um, this, this languaging of, well, should I have a call to action? Should I have a call to action? And I was like you need to have a call to heart. What you really need to do is to engage with your client. And I say this for magazine readers in such a way too. You need to engage with the person who you believe to be your ideal client on the other end in such a way that it builds loyalty that when you do ask them for something or you want them to do something, it's there. But first worry about the call to heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And with designers, you get that by, as you know, like by making something pretty to your point about the book, if you could have seen the cover that they gave me as potential covers for this book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, hell no. And they're like, oh, yes, this is what we're doing. And I said, well, how about would you mind if I crowdsourced it, your options to a few designers without letting them know? Um, which one I favor, which was none of them. And they were like, sure. And so the, 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 <laughs> the vitriol that came back, right. That they were like shocked because they hadn't considered this before they were going through their own transformation, this publisher. And right. I ended up working with my own graphic designer to come up with something. And then when they had buy-in, Finally, like when they got it and then they were like, the publisher was like, oh, well, what if we do a bookmark? And I was like, I love that. Then, they, Like they got into it finally. But oh, my God, if you could, it was like <laughs> it was it was heinous. It was a horrible. And it was so I really wanted something pretty because I I thought even if you don't read it, you having it on your stack. Totally. Of books is going to make you happy. And that's what I wanted. So. And you succeeded. You know, Yay. yeah, no, I think the same thing. Yeah. I think, you know, what's going to make my magazine be at the top of the stack? Yes. Um, and, yes. Uh, you know, and yours is gold and white. It goes with everything. So, yes, congratulations. Thank you. Kim, is there is there anything that we haven't covered? From my perspective, obviously, because I'm still working with clients actively. And some people are like, well, how's how are you working with people? Or I, I have people who've shown up really excited to do the work and then are like afraid because of this time. And I'm like, wow, this is the time you should be getting support. Mm -hmm. This is the time you really need to be figuring out ways to invest in your business because we are, it is changing right day by day. And so you want the brain trust of people who can help you get through that. And so the, you know, Toby Fairley, who is a well-known coach in the industry, and I respect a lot of the work she does. I heard her say on one of her podcasts, or I don't know, she, something the other day, she was saying the problems that you had before didn't just show up because of the coronavirus, right? Right, mm -hmm. And that is so true. And that is what I believe as well is like, there's many people who stop themselves from doing the work that they need to do right now, or again, investing, getting help because they're like, well, the virus is here. And I'm like, friend, this is the time you really need the help. And I'm just seeing it with clients who are doing the coaching is they're still going, mm -hmm. they're still doing things. They're 
following ideas that they might not have because I'm saying, oh, that sounds great. Let's do this. And have you thought of this? And, you know, we're able to really like triage through things. And, and I would say that's what, that's what people need in this moment. I, I have a coach. I get, I'm getting help with things too, as I learn. And it's, it's been like a masterclass in all of the things I believe in. And it's been a faith walk too. Like, if I'm going to put these principles that I've been teaching into effect, how does it happen moment by moment? And that's, and it's really been wonderful to, to understand that, no, this is the truth. This is like, Oh, I have this experience from before, but it's not even about that because you can't even look at, even though you might've experienced something like some people are comparing this to the 2009 recession, which it, it is not right. Right. And even if, it goes on, it is still not the recession. You might have learned things during that time, but you need to look at this time as it is now from the vantage point of who you are now. And because if you're going to keep iterating your, you know, iterating and be iterating your business and get to your next level of leadership, you have to be present and you have to keep going in the way that this moment demands. As an example, I, I can't remember if I spoke about this at the beginning, but clients who are using video in their businesses in ways that they haven't before and under and getting learnings from that mm-hmm. and understanding that, oh, this is something I can take back into the way once we are doing things fully operationally. Right. So, or things that they're, they, they're letting go of processes that they felt they had to do before that now they realize, wait, this just saves me a chunk of time. When we go back into this, whatever it is we go back into, <laughs> we don't, maybe don't have to do this anymore. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I think too, we do a lot of future casting from the point of fear. And I talked about this the other day in the interview I did with Lori, but I think we don't plan enough for joy. And I think it's hard to plan for joy in this moment for a lot of us, but what you can do is stay fully, fully present because if you future cast and then you, let's say you prepare for six months. Oh, I'm I'm prepared for six months. But then all of a sudden they say it's a year. Well, then you're going to freak yourself. You know what I mean? Just like, let's just go moment by moment as much as we can until you can't anymore. Yeah, we're we're creatures of planning habits though, right? I mean, we are. Yeah. We are. And 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 I think what you can do is I mean, I thought yesterday when I was in having a crabby mood because I'm not all bunny rabbits and sunshine, right? I have bad days too. But what I had yesterday was processes to get myself out of. Like first I gave myself permission to have my little to have my crabbiness. Mm-hmm. To I went through it. I cuz I've learned that things when I'm feeling that way, things are going to come out on the end of it. And then I have processes that I can use to restore order in myself. Okay. And I, and I use them. Yeah. Yeah. And meditation is one of them. So I agree with the meditation. Yeah. I'm I'm down for your meditation and your boyfriend telling you to do that. I'm like, yes, Jane, go Jane. I've done a little transformational work in my life and, and some things that really stuck in, in, stuck with me and yeah. um very helpful you know on some days but I also find I mean, yeah yeah you know too with transformation the biggest part of it is letting go mm-hmm. right a lot of the time because you to make space to receive that next level you have to let go of what is no longer serving you and right. we have so much we've been spending so much time doing things that we don't want to do right now like whether it's wearing a mask or social distancing or staying in or all of these things that are our our responsibility, I believe as global citizens to do these things, but we have to then be very kind with ourselves. And, and also it's a good time to say, you know what, I'm doing this in my life and it's actually not serving me. There's only so many things I don't want to do that I can take in this moment. Right. So it's a good time to start shedding some skin. And, and, you know, from transformation, it's like, I think just that quintessential metaphor of the butterfly the cat, you know, the caterpillar in the cocoon is a totally different creature at the end of it. Yep. Totally different. And so that's the, that's where you want to be too, at the end of it. Yeah, your core is still the same, right? Your core is the same, but you're living life from a totally different perspective. Yep. Well, that's, 
that's kind of a beautiful place to stop, I think. Yeah, um, I think so, too. You know, <laughs> let's just flutter away. Um, yeah. Kim, this has been a pleasure. Yes, it's been wonderful talking to you. I'm so grateful for this time and this platform and opportunity. And your questions are so thoughtful. And it's I, I love talking to other writers because you've you've gone so deep so thank you oh you're welcome it's a pleasure and i will be in touch soon yay okay okay bye bye thanks so much for listening to said i sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart if you like the podcast please leave us a review on itunes If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.